I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and I don't even know what red is. And I'm Afsidensky, and Alex, you don't have to go in between. We're not a gay couple. Yeah, that Anna Nicole Smith, she uh, had some pair of knockers, didn't she? <laughs> she sure did. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss Season 4, Episode 2, Ben's Birthday Party, which originally aired on January 11th, 2004. And Av, I actually, uh, I forgot I meant to ask you this before we started recording, but I might as well ask you on the air. I was wondering if you wanted to try, and maybe our listeners can tell us what they prefer, instead of us sort of going beat by beat through the whole episode, if we just sort of talk in more generalities about the episode, sort of like the way that uh, two podcasters do on a New Girl rewatch podcast that I listen to. This is a fantastic thing to bring up on yeah. the air for the first time <laughs> after I prepared for the episode a certain way, but sure, oh. we, can, uh, we can give that a shot. Yeah, well, I, I mean, what do you think about it? Just because, I mean, I think that if, you've, if you're watching the episode with us, then you don't need sort of the play-by-play because you already know what happened. And if you're not watching the episode and you still listen to this podcast, you're probably not that into Curb and maybe you're just, you know, well, I don't know. I mean, so listeners can tell us also what they think. But uh, I'm not saying that we, we don't, I mean, we should still sort of summarize the episode and talk and sort of recap it. But maybe we don't have to go, mm-hmm. you know, with the detailed play-by-play. But I don't know. What do you think? Um, I, I definitely see benefit of both. I think that like sometimes some of our good, uh, discussion points come from the fact that we're we get a little we get really in the weeds on the scenes, mm-hmm. which we might which we which often happens as we're talking it through as opposed to something that we prepared in advance. Mm-hmm. So well, I think um, we I should think we would definitely be losing out on some of that. Yeah, I think we should certainly at least you know we should cover every scene. Okay, so we can uh, we can try to maybe then I guess scale back the uh, the beat by beat episodes recap give more general scene overviews mm-hmm. and more discussion points. Okay. I mean, I think the most important thing is the tangents. I think people like tangents. All right. So let's dive into the episode and, um, you know, we'll see where the conversation takes us. How about that? Okay. So we are at a practice for the show, specifically dance practice. Larry is being taught how to, you know, do some of these dance moves. The teacher says, you know, stop, stop. Uh, he doesn't even want to comment on how terrible he's doing the choreography. Let's start with the fact that you're not wearing the right shoes that I told you to get. Yeah. The Larry dance instructor, says, by the way, is the wig master from Seinfeld. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I looked at his IMDb earlier. He's in a bunch of things here and there. He's in Austin Powers. Oh, yeah. What, what, else is uh, what else do we know? An episode of Friends. Um, looks like he was in a handful of movies here and there. He was on, a bu- he was on Ellen for a bunch of episodes. He had 19 yeah. episodes on Ellen. I don't remember that. Seven episodes on Head Over Heels. I don't even know what show that is. Um, but that's it. That, that's, those are his two biggest TV uh, runs. Um, he looks like he was on Whose Line Is It Anyway for a good amount. Anyway, yeah, all right. Yeah. You know, he, he had a nice little career. Yeah, but from the perspective of a Seinfeld Curb fan, he is the Wigmaster. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's definitely his most famous role. Yeah. Um, although he's in multiple episodes of this season. So this is yes. his most prolific yes. uh, Seinfeld Curb role. Hmm. Um, Larry says, ah, oh, you know, I know. I'm getting the shoes today. Um, teacher shows him again how to do it. Larry says he can't do it that way, but he does it like, uh, you know, a, a similar way. <laughs> But not quite. Well, not similar maybe for you. Uh, it says, you know, honestly, yeah, let's like, yeah, he's doing like the general gist and direction of where his feet are supposed to be going, but he's, he's terrible at it. Um, and he says, you know, honestly, like, who cares? Nobody really knows what the hell is going down there anyway. Like, it'll look fine. Um, yeah, maybe I guess here's where we're starting to see um, the side of Larry that led to uh, what maybe Bell saw. Yeah. 
So uh, Michael, the blind man from uh, season one for the bracelet, he comes in. Uh, turns out he's also working on the producers. Uh, he's the uh, rehearsal pianist. And he introduces Larry to his girlfriend, Rhonda, who we, we learn has told Michael that she is a model. Um, she does not fit the conventional look that one associates with generally with models, um, which uh, Larry, uh, Larry is very taken aback by. And she kind of gives Larry this look of, of, you know, meant to be like, keep your mouth shut. Like don't uh, blow up my uh, situation here. Yeah. Cause obviously Larry's loyalty is to her. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and I mean, this must happen yeah. with every single person she meets since the first thing that he says to every single person he meets is, can you believe I got a model? Yeah, it's, he's, this is very important to him. Yeah, which is a normal thing to say when you're choosing your girlfriend to people. Right, so it's like weird that nobody has exposed this yet. Because it's like, obviously, the only thing he cares about in life is that he thinks he's dating a model. He's telling that to everybody he comes across immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly somebody before this might have said, um, hey, Michael, uh, I'm not sure about that. But I guess not. Um, anyway, uh, Ben walks in. Uh, Michael introduces him to Rhonda, and he says, "His hands off. She's taken." And Ben kind of gives him like an abused look. Um, ben invites everyone to his birthday party, which is this Saturday night. Even though it turns out his actual birthday was two weeks ago, and he says nobody should bring any gifts. Now, I will say it's very a uh, man of the people. Uh, Ben Stiller, that he invites everyone to his birthday party, even these randoms he literally just met. Then it's sort of ironic because uh, Ben Stiller will turn into much more of a prima donna sort of uh, Hollywood celebrity uh, throughout the season. But at least at this moment, he's, uh, again, he's very... uh, Yeah, he starts out as a... He starts out as a very common man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess he also, like, it could just be, like, he knows, like, this is going to be the main thing he's working on for the next bunch of months, and these are probably going to... So he has to invite the uh, rehearsal pianist and his girlfriend? I mean... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to his birthday I mean, party. It could just be like, you know, it's the next year of my life. These are going to be the main people I'm seeing every day. So I'm going to like start to think of this as like my go-to group of friends for the foreseeable future. Maybe. I don't know. Some people are like that with their work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, especially like, I think like in your in show business in show business and like, you're like creating something together, like creatively like that. I think that often like bonds people in a way that like that becomes like a surrogate family. Yeah. So it could just be like, that's, you know, I'm going to throw uh, a thing for the, for the crew too. Yeah. All right. By the way, uh, what's your take on when someone says no gifts? What does that mean? Um, I, 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 in my life, I think it means no gifts. Um, I've never really had someone say that to me at like a party that was for them. So I don't, this, this scenario hasn't really come up much in my life. I don't well, what, I mean, sometimes people say like in lieu of a gift, you know, make a donation to such and such, that kind right. of thing. Um, yeah, I don't, like, I can't think of somebody who, like, I went to, like, a birthday party or a wedding and they specifically said no gifts. Um, I, I would actually think it was weird. If someone was having a birthday party now, like an adult, and they said no gifts, I'd be like, why would you say that? Of course there's no gifts. <laughs> yeah, but, like, but he goes so like, out of his way. He's like, no gifts, okay? Everybody, no gifts. He sort of turns and, like, makes the whole room confirm. And even if yeah. no gifts means, oh, right, you say no gifts, but you still bring a gift anyway, even if that's the case... You still, like, you don't bring up a complaint about somebody not bringing a gift. That's insane. Yeah, so to say no gifts and then hold someone responsible for not giving a gift is just like, what? yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I mean I've mean, i had, birth- I, I guess I've never had, like, a big party for my birthday, but I've had, like, birthday get-togethers. And, like, I, it would never even occur to me that someone would bring a gift. Yeah. So, like, if they don't, you should say, birthday. where's your gift? Yeah, but... Um, I guess I could be wrong. I guess, I don't know. Maybe different people do things different ways. I've, I, I would be surprised if I was expected to bring a gift to a birthday party, but maybe I'm wrong. Okay. Well, you're expected to bring a gift every time you see me. Maybe my wife would, my wife would tell me, yeah, I got a gift. Of course, I have to bring a gift. I don't know. Um, but anyway, certainly if they say no gifts, you don't have to yeah. bring a gift. Yeah. That I very, God, feel very good about it. Yeah. Um, but okay. Jen and I have had this conversation, and Jen insists that no gift still means gifts. But it's uh, usually it's sort of like it'll be like a word on the bottom of like the invitation, not like the guy verbally saying to you like confirmatory, like no gift, no gift. Yeah, like that's like conveying to someone like don't like, please like don't get me a gift. Like this is not yeah like not expecting a gift. But then to expect a gift is very dickish. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so Larry's like wonders why the party's now if the birthday has passed, and then explains that. Christine was away and they couldn't find the time and Larry wonders. So then why even have it at all? Yeah. Larry's um, about this, by the way. Yeah, Larry's it's one thing to say happy new year, you know, in late January, he's right about that. 
but a birthday party has to be within like a week. I mean, that's a little bit extreme. Yeah. So, I mean, two points. First of all, like he's right about the New Year's thing, but like if somebody does it, like you shouldn't let it ruin your day. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, this is not as bad because like the, it's not about the birthday day. It's about you want to like get together and like be with people and do something together. And this is as good as an excuse as any. So who, who gives a shit? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So don't call it a birthday party. Call it a, you know. Yeah, get whatever. To get together in honor. Of but, we birthday. will say it is an extraordinarily strange party because it's in the evening, but there's also children there. It's a very, very odd party. Uh, yes, I did, I did wonder why there were so many children. Yeah, well, they were there for the purpose <laughs> of, like a of, of, party. of Larry telling the kids he loves tits. But yeah. Yeah. I guess maybe it was in the middle of the afternoon. No, because we see them, it's nighttime, right? When they go outside? Yeah. No, the party starts in the evening. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, so Ben doesn't really like this question. Larry compares it to President's Day, where it's like, it's also not really their birthday, but it's kind of their birthday. So um, Larry's at lunch with Richard Lewis. Uh, Larry's telling him about the whole deal with Michael and that his whole relationship is a scam since he thinks the woman is a model. What do you think about this? Because meaning, like, does it matter if she's not really a model if he thinks he's a model? That's all he cares about. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, what they don't know. It's like, um, it's like that Jack Black movie with Gwyneth Paltrow. What was that? Shallow Hal? Yeah. I'm, I'm aware Where of it. like, who cares? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like he, like he sees her as beautiful because he yeah. sees like her inside beauty or whatever. Yeah. Um, but like, who cares? It was the point of the movie. Like, if yes. you think that he's yeah. beautiful, you whatever care less about what other people think. Yeah, focus on what, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I guess it's also a dishonest <laughs> to represent yourself as a model. Well, for her, yeah. If you're not well, yes, but there's two different questions, which is from her perspective and from his perspective. Maybe she technically is a model. Maybe she's like a hand model or something. Yeah, being a model doesn't inherently mean that you're like, you know, have a certain sort of objective level of beauty. Yeah, she could be a, she could be a model for like magazine ads for medicines for old people. <laughs> this is getting less and less. She could be the old person that, that, that improves her medical condition by taking... So she's, a, she's the before picture. Drug, she's, a yeah. before, she's a before picture model is what you're saying. She's the before picture, right. Yeah. And then they show a different woman and they're like, now nah, she's healed from yeah. disease. <laughs> our drug. I think yeah. you've all cracked the code. Um, yeah. That's what she is. She's being totally upfront. Yeah. She is a model. Um, Richard Lewis. Um, yeah, this, this whole storyline is very bizarre. Richard Lewis uh, reminds Larry that the purpose of the lunch that we're having is for you to meet Kim, who is dating a friend of Richard's named Kenny from New York. No, he's a daughter. Um, I wonder if this is Kenny Kramer. No, he's a daughter of Richard's oh. longtime friend. Oh, uh, he's the, his daughter. That's why they've grown up together, and she's always been like, uh, she's called him like Uncle Richard. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I mean, it still doesn't really uh, make still, sense. It's just, no, it still doesn't make sense in general, general, but it yeah. makes more, no, it makes more sense their relationship to Richard. Yeah, the, rela- the relationship is, yeah, that she's the daughter of a friend of his, so she's called the Uncle Richard right. his whole life. Got it. But, uh, and like with most uh, of your relationship conversations with your uncle, you talk to them about your breasts all the time. Yes. And um, what, what, what I would like, Larry, is uh, what, what you need to know is that this friend, my, my friend's daughter, who you've never met before, it seems, um, for reasons that have nothing to do with you, uh, desires to get a breast enlargement, and I would like you to talk her out of it. You, for some reason, being an expert of uh, yes. breast enlargement, yeah. again, being against it, therapy or something. I, this 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 whole thing is so bizarre. Yes, it is bizarre. I concur. Yeah, that's a really weird storyline. Um, so yeah, so Larry's like, I don't really know anything about that, which you know is what we're saying. Um, but you know, I'll figure something out. Uh, Richard asks Larry, what's going on? Is anything bothering you? Larry says, no, I have nothing to confide. And Richard's upset that Larry has never confided him in his entire life. Um, finally, Kim comes in, and Larry, uh, uh, Richard gets up to greet her. Larry does it, and he apologizes for not doing the get-up greet. Um, I will say, I'm very much team Larry here. I hate the get-up greet. Like, once I'm sitting, I want to stay down. Yeah. Like I hate like I, what one thing that I think is a so for me a silver lining of this whole COVID thing. Yes, remo- uh, I agree. With, yeah, removing the awkwardness of the physical interactions. Yeah, I hate people. all the like formalities of is like it a oh, hug. Is it a kiss? A back slap? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I agree. I don't want, we don't need to touch each other. It's fine. Yeah. Like we could just say hello. It's yeah. like 
I yeah. mean, sometimes it is awkward when, you know, you do sort of feel a natural inclination to have some kind of embrace, but I, 90% of the time I don't, and I'm glad that I don't have to. Yeah, like, I don't need to shake your hand. Like, it's fine. Like, yeah. we, we can just talk. Yeah. Like, well, and I, I think a lot of this will be permanently removed from society, so that's... Really I hope good. so. I don't, need to, yeah. I don't need to touch other people's hands. Yeah. Nothing against their hands, but it's just like, why are we touching each other's bodies for no reason? Yeah, no, great. We just talk and be polite to each other. Yeah. Um, yeah, who knows? Um, so, yeah, so Kim... Uh, Kim wants Larry to take a look at her reel. Uh, he agrees, but he's like, you know, I'm not really doing TV right now. <laughs> I guess I'm kind of into, into Broadway now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, Larry says, so how about that Anna called Nicole Smith and her fake boobs? Yeah. <laughs> and both Kim and Larry give him a look, basically, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, the master TV? of the segue. Yes. Yeah, real smooth. Though. Smooth move. Richard's known Larry there for 50 years. What did he expect was going to happen here? You know, this whole thing, the whole idea was very stupid. It didn't make yeah. any sense. This is a very dumb plan by Richard to yeah. convince this girl to, like, first of all, like, why is this his business at all? Yeah. Like, why is he involved? And for them to bring in a third party, another, like, creepy old man to talk about her boobs is yeah. this whole thing is insane. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that nothing crazier will happen from there. <laughs> um, okay, so. Uh, we are uh, we're at Ben's birthday party. It's either the next day or the day after that. We, uh, we fast forward a little. And Larry and Cheryl come in and they see a table full of gifts. Yes. Uh, Cheryl is very upset. Larry is very confused. He said, no, he specifically told me no gifts. Yeah. Uh, they quickly see Susie and Jeff. They're like, hey, what did you, did you guys bring a gift? And they're like, yeah, of course we brought a gift. <laughs> uh, and Larry's like, what the hell? They said no gifts. And Susie says, no, nobody means that. I can't believe you took that seriously. Yeah. Um, see, the, the problem was that um, Larry David was taking Ben Stiller seriously and he should have been taking him literally, yeah. <laughs> uh, which also would have meant no gifts uh, because those two things are the same thing and that expression is very stupid. Yes. Um, yeah, so the uh, waiter comes by, he has some hors d'oeuvres and Larry takes, uh, takes a piece of chicken on a stick. Um, this Stick will uh, play a much more important role in the story than the chicken. The chicken will uh, leave us very quickly. Stick will remain. Um, ben and Christine come over. They're, you know, schmoozing about the show. Larry finished his hors d'oeuvres, and he doesn't know what to do with the stick now. He's, you know, he complains that, like, he feels like he always ends up holding that stick for the rest of the day. Yeah. Now, he will have infinite chances to put it down. <laughs> well, and... they, they tell him, they tell him you should just put it down on the table, which is, like, a same thing to do. But he says, like, no, that's disgusting. Like, I need to find, like, a waiter to hand it to yeah, but yeah, I mean, he's crazy. Of course, you just put it down. Um, our friend Harold um, is very famous for, um, as you know, as like, like the cocktail hours at, at Orthodox weddings. Um, you may have noticed that they never have knives. Mm-hmm. They only have forks and sometimes spoons. I guess if there's like a soup or something. Well, what do they so give he, you that requires a knife? Like w- when you go to the carving station, they, they pre-cut it into small pieces for you. Yeah, but there's like if you get like some of that like fried chickeny food, like the like like the general sow type or poppers or something like that, you you might want a knife just to like cut a piece something a piece of chicken. If they're serving something that's larger than bite size, then they're doing a bad job. Yes, but I don't think I've I think the whole purpose is that by definition they're giving you bite sized foods because it's also you You can't cut it because you don't have a surface to cut it on because you're sort of holding the plate in one hand and you're drinking another hand. Yeah, it's it's hard, but anyway, he he would often bring a plastic bring his own knife knife to the. But a plastic knife isn't going to be strong enough to get the job done. It was very, he was very useful. He was also, very you show up with a knife in your pocket. I feel like you might be uh, not, you know, you might be getting a squirt. Yeah, you have, you have to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have to. Have to well, you also have to be very careful. Yes. That could end. Uh, yeah, you could end yeah. up much worse than not being able to like eat your chicken properly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, but but it is um, Larry. In fact, there there are a couple times, and I actually took uh, you know I was watching this very carefully. Sort of the continuity errors. There's a couple times in the episode. Uh, for example, when he goes to the bar to talk to Katie, where he actually puts the skewer down, and he's not holding it while he's talking to her. Then he picks really. it back up to her to st- when he starts talking about the scrotum kebab. And then in the next scene, when he's playing telephone with the kids, again he doesn't have it at all. So multiple times yeah. he puts it down, loses it for several minutes, and then rediscovers it. Yeah, well, because obviously actual Larry David didn't want to carry around a stupid stick all the yeah. whole time. Yeah. You know, putting it down. Yeah. Now, they so do make me nervous just, you know, to be around kids because they're sharp. And also, they, they poke holes in your garbage. You know, they do have issues. But, um, yeah, putting yeah. them down. But like at a party like this, with the, especially where there are waiters. Like, yeah. I think you could. Yeah, you could put it on one of those little trays. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's probably what he should have done. 
but you know, he didn't want to <laughs> cause a problem by putting down the toothpick, so he just held on to it. Much smarter. Um, uh, so Christine talks about how you know Ben is always so tired every night. Is Larry also so tired? And Larry says, "No, not really." <laughs> uh, ben says, "Well, you know, I'm kind of putting in a lot of extra time on the side outside of the actual rehearsal to you know really improve myself." Well, Larry says, you know, maybe it just looks more effortless for me. That agrees it does look like Larry's putting in a lot less effort. Yeah. This is, this is very similar to the uh, there is a prick involved conversation from the last episode. Yes. yes. Ben's like, it does look like less effort. Yeah, very. Uh, <laughs> ben, from the very beginning, is deeply insulted that he's starring opposite Larry David. And, uh, I mean, you, you should be. Can barely control himself. <laughs> he should be. Yeah. It's, it's like also, when, when we find out ultimately what the intent of Mel Brooks was by picking Larry David, it is sort of insulting to the opposite role also because is the implication that, that Mel was sure that this person would also ruin it? Um, it's either that or then like you said, you fucked me over that like you put, you cast me in a show that yeah, you were either sabotaging. Way. Yeah, exactly. Either way. It's like, Oh, like why did you, like you, like you took, I wasted a year of my life and now yeah. I have like a bad reputation because you, you decided to sabotage your own yeah. show with Larry David. What the Absolutely. Hell? So Ben, uh, I think Ben is smart to see, maybe he kind of saw what was going on here. He realized there's no way this is going to work. Um, so let's, you know. I wonder if we have to maybe think that Mel uh, Mel has a pre-existing relationship with Larry, right? That Mel does? Yeah. Like, or was do you think, do you think the first time he sees him is at that karaoke night? The implication? I mean, they might know each other sort of socially, but they don't seem to know each other very well. Because I think it would make more sense if they have some sort of history where they've come across each other a few times. Maybe they're not they're good. Maybe well, they're Larry not, might have a good. reputation in Hollywood for being good. Yeah, so maybe he knows, you know, Larry David is a... He's a he's a fuck up. Yeah, he's a disaster. And when he sees him in karaoke, he thinks to himself, you know, he might be like just good enough that I could like get him past like the other gatekeepers and make mm-hmm. this happen. Yeah, and and then it'll obviously be a disaster because yeah. I just know Larry David and I just know his reputation and every time every time I've ever worked with him, it's been a disaster. Yeah. Because um, otherwise, like just based on like that one night, like there's that, that's too much of like a, a master. Plan. No, I, I think it's based on the reputation that Larry has. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Right, I mean, Larry's had a TV show that, that he got boycotted from every single network, you know, in the <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, he was fired. He was fired from SNL. Uh, he quit Seinfeld. Yeah, he ran yeah. a restaurant into the ground. <laughs> ran a restaurant as far as I know. Yeah, he uh, he called his aunt a cunt in the newspaper. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know if uh, Mel heard about that one, but oh yeah, people probably hear about all his people aunt- talk. People talk. Yeah, I mean, uh, what's it called in the episode with uh, with uh, when he goes over to Julia late at night? Like she says, how she's going to call Jerry to tell him about it. Like so they obviously <laughs> like they're constantly, you know. That's true. Today they would have like a WhatsApp group called Larry. Like, yeah, a bunch of I'm sure they do. Yeah, they so. would just, like say, "Oh, you know what happened with Larry today?" Yeah, he's crazy. <laughs> he, he wrote this crazy. <laughs> Got this crazy argument on Twitter with you know some stranger. <laughs> anyway, so Susie uh, starts telling Larry about the new shirts that she started designing and she's selling, and it's so so great. Uh, she offers to show it to Larry, but he yeah. declines. Not just so great. She says they are selling like fucking hotcakes. Like fucking hotcakes. And yeah. I want to know who is buying these. Yeah, they're very bad. Yeah. The other thing, by the way, that has always bothered me about this shirt thing is like. They're, they're all sports teams, but it's never mentioned on the show. They're just referred to by color. Like, oh, do you want a red or do you want a green? Like, they don't say, like, do you want the Packers? And, okay, right. maybe Susie's not a big sports person, but then why did she base yeah, her entire that's business? How you would, that's how you would sell them. Yeah. And Larry does make a note about Indiana when he gets, quote, unquote, red. But, um, which is actually funny because in my head, it was actually the red one was the Chiefs one, the Kansas City Chiefs, who uh, won a big football game tonight. But, yeah. Um, yeah, but, of course, it is actually Indiana. Yeah, it's like someone would be like, oh, I'll buy the nice uh, purple shirt. And then, yeah. and then you, like, they buy it, they're like, oh, it has Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. Great. <laughs> it's weird to identify <laughs> That's exactly what I wanted yeah. to say. Yeah. Um, also, Susie says the good thing about the business is she can do it from the house and take care of the baby. What baby? So are we back to the baby? <laughs> oh, there's the baby. <laughs> yeah, she makes reference to a baby. You know, we know, obviously, uh, when they were hiring the nanny that, that a baby was on the way. That's how Jeff got moved back into the family. So Sammy has a younger sibling who apparently we'll, we'll never see, but gets referenced from time to time. Very strange. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll have to bother this. I, you know, I didn't remember that uh, baby number two was going to reappear in any form. Yeah, when Susie uh, comes on the podcast, we'll have to ask her about that. <laughs> we'll ask her about it when she's been raising another child this whole time. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it was very camera yeah. shy. You also you would have think Lowry would have learned his lesson from uh, declining the house tour to uh, yeah take the shirt you know, at least feign interest in the shirts. But I do love how Susie. It's not just that Susie's like, oh, you know, I'm excited about this, so therefore you should be. But she specifically says to Larry, "This is something that you're going to be interested in." That's her quote. It's like, yeah. why would Susie think that these uh, sweatshirts would be something Larry's interested in? Has Larry ever worn a team sweatshirt that we know about? Yeah. Has there Larry ever? Seen, like, this yeah. doesn't seem like a Larry thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we, uh, Larry goes over to say hi to Michael on the other side of the room and Michael invites Larry to a set he's doing next, next Tuesday. Larry says, I can't make it because I have my clan meeting that mm-hmm. night. Yeah. Um, Michael asks Larry if he thinks Rob is beautiful and he says, eh. uh, Michael is very shocked and very discouraged. And no, Larry's- again, has, has Michael never had this conversation with any other acquaintance or friend in his life? Yeah, I mean, it's so far we've seen him have two conversations with Larry this episode, and both of the first thing he brought up was yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, sorry, this here is the second one, so but the other like, one yeah, was he's a like model, he's and now it's like, come to my show, isn't she so beautiful? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it doesn't. It's like it doesn't pass muster that like nobody else would have been, would have burst his bubble by now. Yeah. Um, Larry says, who cares what she looks like? You're blind. That's one of the advantages in addition to good hearing, <laughs> um, which Michael doesn't seem to be aware of, which even if he didn't experience, it seems unlikely that he would be aware of you should have heard the about very that. least this yeah. trope in culture, which I thought was true, but I guess maybe it's not true, but it probably is true in the, that Kirby enthusiasm as well. Yeah. I think it's definitely true. Um, yeah, because like the whole movie A Quiet Place is like premised on that. Yeah. Maybe super strong hearing because they're blind. I mean, obviously it doesn't, you don't always have that here. No, I mean, I think, yeah, when, when you don't have one, there's a, a restaurant and I think there's similar restaurants in other cities called Blackout in Tel Aviv, which is run entirely by blind, like the, the wait staff and everybody's yeah. blind. And so the restaurant is completely pitch black and you go in there and you cannot see anything. Like you have to hold someone's hand while they guide you to your table. And it's to give you the feeling of what it's like to be in a restaurant and be blind because you, you literally cannot see anything. And so you really have to accentuate your other senses, you know, touch and taste and, and smell and, and, and hearing. And so, and it is a very interesting experience. And if anyone, I think they have those all over the world, similar ideas. Done that? So, yeah. You have done it? No, I have not. You have? Oh yeah. I did it in Tel Aviv um, or Jaffa actually. It was, um, it, it was, was it I recommend it to everybody. Scary? Was it scary? Yeah. Like I would, I feel like I would never do that because I just feel like I would be, freaked out by it but i guess you probably get used to it pretty quickly. yeah well i mean that's the point yes it is an unusual experience and that's sort of you know the point of it um yeah i've taken showers like in a complete dark and i like it wait complete like how would your shower be so dark though at nighttime but even i mean it's not like pitch black like your eyes adjust it's like a dark room in your house uh yeah but it's, i, it's I guess if there's no windows or skylight yeah. or anything it can be yeah there's like one window like the shade's closed yeah. It gets very dark. Yeah, no, but I'm talking about like at this restaurant. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. You literally, yeah, you can't see. I'm trying to remember if they put a mask over your face or not. I don't remember. Well, that was probably just for COVID. Yeah. I like over your eyes, I meant. But yeah, I guess there's no reason to because it's literally like, you know, you can't see anything. So. Okay. So Larry, Susie, and Jeff go outside, and Susie is going to show the shirts to Larry that she has in her car. Uh, they have a lot of glitter on them. They're very, uh, yeah. what's the word from uh, Office Space? Flair. Flair. They have a lot of flair. Larry says they're nice, but not my cup of tea. <laughs> fuck you and fuck your tea. Fuck you and fuck your tea. Uh, and she, she says, you have no taste. Yeah. Susie says, Ben Stiller loved them. <laughs> uh, so what obviously we're going to later learn is Ben Stiller is just a much nicer person than yeah. Larry and says yeah. things are nice. And Susie's though. completely lacking in self-awareness. <laughs> yes. My, 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 my wife comes home from the pediatrician the other day where my son had his one-month appointment. And she says, boy... The doctor kept on going on and on about how this is the most beautiful baby she's ever seen. And so I said to her, I said, yeah, you know, our baby really is breathtaking. You know, I'm making a joke for myself because she doesn't get the reference. And she's like, no, no, no. But she was saying, like, seriously, like, she sees so many babies. I'm like, yeah, you think this is the only baby she says that to? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, but, uh, good, it's good for business to compliment the, the baby in the presence. Yeah, exactly. Of when you're a pediatrician, yeah, you, you, yes, tell the mother, you tell the mother that her baby is very attractive because uh, she's convinced, yes. oh, this is a, this is a unique thing. <laughs> baby. This doctor is obviously yeah. very smart. Has good, uh, yeah. good I mean, I happen to I happen to think my baby's very cute, but you know, I think that many babies yes. are very. Cute, Everyone thinks so. their babies are cute. Yes. <laughs> um, do you ever, when you like look at your kids' like baby pictures, realize that they weren't as cute as little babies as you thought they were at the time? Because like babies are like are really not that cute generally, like little babies. 
Oh, like the first like few days, they're not because they look like aliens. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I think said that in real time. For, I think for like the first couple months, like they look very alieny. Uh, a lot of them. Yeah, uh, I would. Yeah, in the first. Yeah, for the first week or two, for sure they are. And then yeah, for the next couple months, it depends on the picture. You can get pictures where they look very cute, or you can get pictures where yeah, yeah they do look like. Like aliens. I remember thinking like my kids were like gorgeous for the second they were born, and then like you look at their baby pictures, yeah. and you're like, oh. Yeah, I um, yeah, I took a picture like the first second my baby's born, I remembered, and I'm like, oh, nobody needs to see that picture where it's like gray and like you know, yeah. completely looks like a weird alien. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> babies are gross. Yeah, it, it it's such a weird if you think about it, like, and it, it's it's sort of an interesting evolutionary evolutionary fact that like the baby human babies are born at the exact moment that optimizes maxim maxim maximizes the likelihood of survival of both the mother. And the baby, right? Because like, is that true? well, yeah. Because well, think like, wh- why is it that human babies are born and can do so much less than babies of any other animal, right? Every other animal, the baby is walking and doing stuff within an hour of being born, and the reason is because the mothers of those other animals aren't as advanced as, as humans or the, and the fathers to be able to care for their children in the same way. But also that means that the survival rate is much much lower for all other animals, right? Human human infants. And human mothers are in childbirth have dramatically lower rates of death than any other mammal on Earth, right? So, in other words, in other words, let me put it another way. So, why, but why did why would humans evolve to survive as opposed to like development more than other species? But what I'm saying is, for, for a human baby to be born developmentally at the level of development and maturity of most other mammals, the human it wouldn't be you wouldn't be pregnant for 40 weeks you'd be pregnant for you know 50 weeks or 60 weeks or 70 weeks the problem right. is that the baby would be much larger and it would be a much more risk to the mother to die uh-huh. the mothers would rather survive and raise their child even though they can't walk or feed themselves or do anything except cry and shit than be dead from childbirth but other animals don't really have that choice is, like even if like you all 99% of pregnancies would result in birth way before that even if you did nothing well, but, but, but a million years ago, like our, our predecessors, in Neanderthals or whatever, I would guess that probably Neanderthal they, babies they, were they, they, babies were longer. Well, yeah. Well, look, look at monkeys and like and apes and the and the animals that we're closest to, right? Those 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 babies are born able to walk and do stuff that our babies can't, but also those mothers die more frequently. So, yeah. Um, I'm not a scientist, yeah. but. <laughs> I yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I like this stuff. I, I, I read one book about it that was good, but I haven't yeah. dug too deep into it. But it's good mm-hmm. stuff. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. This is what people came here uh, on the podcast. What? This is why people came for the podcast. If we, yeah. if we weren't discussing every scene of the episode, would this a conversation have come up? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Exactly. This is, that's, what, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. This is the good stuff. This is the gold. Mm-hmm. We found this. Um, all right, back to the episode, which whatever. Fine, we'll do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we go back inside and Larry sees uh, Katie Huffman from across the room and is eyeing her um, him and Ben are excited that she'll be in their lives for the next six months uh, yeah this is one moment where Ben is actually being friendly to Larry yes yeah um, uh, so ben, ben brings Larry over to introduce uh, him and Katie um, and then leaves them alone so he can go pee yeah and it's um, just like last episode where Larry's trying to flirt with the girl at the karaoke bar. Yes. Yes. Larry says he doesn't think it's right that Ben is having a party when his birthday was two weeks ago yeah. uh, because there should be a statute of limitations. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's actually statue. <laughs> um, like he says, for example, my birthday was two months ago. Can I have a birthday party now? Yeah. Um, Katie like, doesn't really say anything, but obviously he, she thinks he's nuts. Yeah. Read the room, Larry. Uh, yeah, he's like, she's like, especially like, the weird the thing here is like when Larry like goes overboard in his awful job hitting on the girl at the restaurant at the karaoke bar, he's sort of doing it for Jeff's entertainment and he knows he's never going to see this person again. Whereas Katie, he's going to be working with right. her for the next six months. So why does he keep pushing yeah. forward when he clearly sees how uninterested she is? Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess this is like falls under the category of I took a risk where he was yeah. like, oh, maybe it'll turn out that she agrees I with me so. and we'll hit it off. And- yeah. Like she'll also be like, yeah, I know. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, I, I want to hear a success story. I want to hear somebody who brought up scrotum kebabs, you know, two minutes into <laughs> yeah. meeting a girl and went home. Yeah, home he, night. he doesn't go with the most sexual, uh, sexy <laughs> direction. Yeah, I mean the uh, scrotum. I would say, in fact, I want to know how often a man says the word scrotum two minutes into a conversation as of going home with a woman in any circumstance. Yeah, the use usually the word scrotum or or or, or, or a homosexual man. I just think no matter how much you are attracted to men, I don't think you'd love to hear the word scrotum. 
Yeah, scrotum is probably not part of a night that, that results in sex. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the scrotum might be involved later in the night, but the word... The scrotum that's... itself will come up, but yeah. not... If you say the word scrotum, it's, it's yes. over. Like, yes. you could be, you could be it's a catch-22. If you want a, her or him to touch your scrotum, you shouldn't say the word scrotum. Well, you should use a different terminology. Yeah. She'll, get the, she'll get the gist of it. Yeah, until the, point, until the point at which, uh, you know, at which point it's already happening, and then you can probably say whatever you want. Unless yeah, you're well, or not. You don't, I wouldn't risk saying the word scrotum. Back in my, uh, in my youth, in my single days, um, I, I would, all, like, when I was, like, going out for a night, I would always put, like, a lot of thought into, like, which underwear I was putting on, and it was idiotic for two reasons. First of all, because nobody was seeing my underwear 99.9999999% of the time. Number right. one. Number two, there was, the range of my underwear was so narrow. There was, there's no pair of underwear I had that would cause somebody at the sight of them to say, oh, well now, even though he's down to his underwear, I'm not going to do whatever I was going to do, or vice versa. I wasn't going to do something, but now that I see him in his underwear, I'm, you know what I mean? Like, all my underwear are basically the same. <laughs> and yet, yeah. I would always think about this, even though they were all, like, exactly the same, except for, you know, maybe one, the elastic was, you know, 1% tighter. Yeah. But, um, our friends, uh, the Fades and Steam, used to joke that well, on every Saturday night, uh, before they go out, they would play video games, mm-hmm. and they would they would both be talking about like their big plans for you know for the party they were going to, and like who they wanted to talk to, you know who they wanted to go out with, you know, um, you know how how they envisioned the night going, and then they would always end up back at the apartment playing video games together after the party. Yeah, yeah, ninety nine percent of the time. Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, it's me and you again. <laughs> video games it is. Let's do it. I hope Steen and Fates put on underwear that the other one found attractive, though. Yes, yeah. Well, yeah, that, that's probably the only scenario. By the way, women see. probably do this. They think more about, like, which bra they're going to wear, which underwear. But, like, women's underwear has a dramatic range. You can have very sexy underwear, very sort of granny-panty underwear. All my underwear are, like, the exact same cut and design, you know? So <laughs> there's really – it's um, a very narrow range. Yeah. I would also say that um, it's much more relevant for a woman to uh, maybe, maybe this is wrong and sexist. Um, it's much more relevant because they're often more in control of, of how the night's going to go. Yeah, but but even similarly, like how often would a guy be at, or or a, or a woman would somebody be going back to spend time with a woman in a romantic situation, get to the point of where her clothes were removed, and then see her underwear and say, "Oh, these underwear are not attractive enough. I'm now going to leave." Like again, that would never happen. But <laughs> yeah, no, that wouldn't happen. Yeah. But you know, it could. It could, yeah. uh, could no, you don't want you don't want like underwear lines showing like you know when you're you know at you know the bar or whatever. But yeah, but by the time someone yeah, no, there's, you, you want to be above replacement level underwear, yeah. and uh, that the marginal value of better yeah. underwear is can, can be appreciated, but is really not that. Yeah, good. exactly. And and honestly, that's like just in general. That's my opinion with lingerie. Like. Lingerie is great, but you know what's better? The stuff under the lingerie. So why are you wasting money on, you know, like, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, like, like this idea, like, oh, like if a woman wants to show like how sexy she is, like, oh, like we're lingerie, like, or just we're nothing. That's even more. <laughs> you save a lot of money. Yeah. Being naked is very cheap. Yeah. <laughs> Here I am with all kinds of good advice today. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, I have no idea why we're talking about uh, lingerie. Yeah. Larry talking about scrotum kebabs with Katie. Ah, uh, scrotums, scrotums. Yeah. yeah. You see, if you start yeah. with scrotums, you know, yeah, I guess exactly. You know, yeah. So maybe you should bring up scrotum. Yeah, you get an interesting yeah. conversation. All right. All right. Uh, yeah. So then, so the next scene is he goes to play telephone right. with the children. Yeah. Um, uh, again, we already asked this, but a, why are there a ton of children at an adult's uh, evening birthday party? And b, uh, why does he not have his skewer for this entire scene? But yeah. Yeah. Um, he also he he was he continued. Uh, complaining about the stick and saying that he's not a kebab guy. Yeah. Um, which is, is very consistent because last season we learned that he wouldn't, he said that was a, a, a red line for him. He would have did the rest of the restaurant if they'd yeah. have kebab. See, this show has good continuity sometimes. He's a kebabophobe and, he's a, and he specifically says it's because he's afraid of the stick. Yeah. So that's obviously so, a real know, Larry David. He's, he's been very anti the stick. Yeah. Yeah, it's obviously like a real Larry thing that he hates the kebabs and the sticks. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's not wrong. They are kind of annoying. Yeah. Um, I prefer not to have a stick, but mostly way. because like you could accidentally pierce your tongue or something. Yeah, yeah, not not pierce uh, Ben Stiller's eye. Uh, when the children are sitting around the table playing telephone, is Sammy there? I don't remember if she's there. Yes, she is there. Yeah. Okay, the baby, the aforementioned baby, n- nowhere to be seen, of course. Well, you know, they're a baby. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that when 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 Susie says the baby, she's referring to Sammy, but just a weird way to describe like a six year old. Or for now, they continue to have her 
or maybe that they forgot about it or decided to not pursue that and they yeah. never followed up on it. Yeah. Yeah, they did say that she was going to have a baby. Babies aren't usually the kind of thing you can uh, not pursue or follow up on. It sort of usually shows up 40 weeks later, whether they like it or not. But yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, so they're now for sure saying that a baby exists, which makes some sense because, like, the whole impetus for Jeff moving back into the house was that they were having a baby. Unless, so, you know, like, God forbid she had a miscarriage and Jeff was so uh, supportive to her during that t- ordeal. Yeah, so we're going to have to figure out what happens to this baby because yeah. we, you know, we, we just saw Sammy's wedding in 2019 and yeah. there, was no, uh, there was no younger child there. Yeah. Where's the baby? You got to see the baby. Um, although my, uh, my daughter is watching Fuller House, which has, ba- I think, literally every character from Full House is in it other than uh, the Olsen twins. So okay. no Michelle. And how is that um, referenced? And like, they like, from time to time, they'll like comment on like, oh, like Michelle is like so annoying that like she never comes to things. Mm. Um, and then like the, like the season or series finale of the show ends with like a triple wedding where Stephanie, DJ, and Kimmy all get married to the same wedding. And I'm like, come on, she, she got to come to the triple wedding, Michelle. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like one thing, fine. Like you're in New York, you're busy. You miss this, you miss that. Like both of your sisters are getting yeah. married in the same wedding. You could not, you should attend. Yeah. At, th- at this point, you've obviously, you know, bridges have been burned. Something very bad has happened. Yeah. Um, I thought you were going to tell me that she does show up for the finale. No, she doesn't, because obviously the Olsen twins have no, no interest in being in Fuller House. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, yeah, I think they've moved on to bigger things. Yeah. All right, so um, we're playing Broken Telephone around the table. Yes, they're playing, yeah, and it gets around to Larry, and he goes to the last kid, and the kid yells out, I love tits. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the kids laugh hysterically. Yeah. Uh, Susie starts screaming at Larry, what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. Larry says, that's the word that I was told, so I just continued it, um, which is not even a good defense. Yeah, even if that weren't true, like yeah, <laughs> if a child like, says oh, that weren't true, yeah, you don't repeat it. Yeah. I will say, like I'm, Susie does strike me as someone who would be good with children, notwithstanding her regular Susieisms. She's sort of playing uh, yeah, kids nicely. Yeah, yeah. And... It, 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 it was believable here, like because I could definitely see her putting, like I could see her being like a teacher, but like also would occasionally lose her brains at the children. Like, crazy, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I could see her being good most of the time. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, she's bad. She's very bad. Yeah, Larry, but the kid says no. I said I love pigs, not tits. Yeah. Um, Susie continues to blast him, and Cheryl looks on in anger. Mm. Um, Cheryl pulls them both away, says it's time to go sing Happy Birthday, and they sing Happy Birthday. And Cheryl wants to know why Larry didn't sing along, but he says it's because he hates that song. Which Cheryl um, should know, having been married with him for ten years. Yeah, yeah, like. Happy birthday has probably come up in your life and you've yeah. noticed that he never sings it. No, this is the first He's birthday they've ever been. given you a rant a hundred times about why he hates the song Happy Birthday. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a little surprising that Cheryl was into not doing that. Um, Larry wants to show Jeff uh, a golf tip and he decides very brilliantly that he's going to use the skewer as the club to do the demonstration. Which makes uh, no sense because you don't hold, it's so skinny that you couldn't hold it the same way anyway. Yeah, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, and he, he starts showing the swing, and he nails Ben in the eye, and then he drops it on the table. So it ends up, it's on the table, which was his worst fear all day. And also, by the way, Ben got poked in the eye by the stick. Yeah. And whenever Larry causes one of these scenes at a party, like uh, it was at the HBO executive's party last time, like uh, where yeah. the wife yells at him, or is it Porno Gill's house where the wife yells at him, or here where Ben yells at him, like the, the person who Larry has insulted or injured is always like, Extremely not gracious about it. It's extremely accusatory. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. they, they, they make no effort to not publicly uh, shame Larry. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of it is just like the sort of stuff that always happens when Larry David's involved. Yeah. And but I mean, I've had, like, I'll give you an example. I, I was at a wedding uh, pre COVID about a year ago or so. And we were doing like one of those stupid dances where you sort of swing each other around as quickly as you can. Okay. And I accidentally like went flying into a very small child and like injured the child. And I felt very <laughs> bad about it. But the parents of the child didn't turn to me and like in front of everybody say, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, you know, like it was understood that it was a mistake and it was, you know, very unfortunate. And I was very embarrassed. But, you know, there, there, you know, I don't know. People have no uh, qualms with uh, shaming Larry Dave. Yeah. Um... Well, it's, it's, I would guess that probably these are like just like exaggerations of Larry. What Larry feels like is that yeah. everyone's always yelling at him yeah. when like he, he's just making like honest mistakes and not actually going to ever do anything wrong. <laughs> just like it's, it's all it's all just a big misunderstanding. Yes. 
That's basically how he sees everything. He's like, no, if you only knew the whole story, it would make sense why I'm like putting this hip child's hands onto my underwear. Yeah. Like it would all make sense if you knew, you yeah. know, what's been going on in my life for the last week. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we're back at dance rehearsal the next day, and the teacher is happy that Larry finally now has the right shoes and he's doing much better. But he tells him, you know, this is really just the practice tempo. You're going to have to pick up the tempo for the real show. Larry is very flummoxed by this. And he's like, there's no way I can't keep up. It's insane. The, um, the guy moves his feet like way too quickly. Yeah. Especially um, if confession time, you're watching the episode at more than one X speed. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, so Larry thinks that's complete BS. Uh, but Michael's like, no, it really is. Like, that's how it is. That's the show. Yeah. That's uh, he loves how he turns to Michael for support. Yeah. Um, so Larry says, only the Flash could keep up. And Michael doesn't know who that is. And he doesn't know about comics. Larry says, it's the guy with the red costume. And Michael says, I don't really even know what red is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Larry says, well, you know, it's, it's true. It's really hard to talk to a blind guy because he has no references. Yeah. Our friend Dory Berger, same thing. Um, yeah, he's colorblind. Um, so which is, uh, you know, not as bad as being blind. Yeah. <laughs> but it has its limitations. Yes. Um, but yeah, yeah, we've had some, uh, some fun over the years with his colorblindness. Um, so Michael's very upset because he's been fighting with Rhonda, who keeps insisting that she's not misrepresenting himself. He really is a model. Larry says, I wish I could tell my wife that I look like Brad Pitt, but unfortunately, she can see. <laughs> yeah, Larry being uh, pretty mean here, I think. Um, I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's giving him some tough love, I think. He's, yeah, oh, he's, like not, he's, not, he's not wrong, necessarily, but... Uh... Yeah, he's being a little harsh. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think he's, like, way off here. Like, you know, this woman is, is really taking advantage of Michael, and he mm-hmm. feels bad for him. And she's like, don't be mad at me. You should be mad at her. She's the one that's tricking you. Yeah. But, like, you should also not care because yeah. you yeah. literally get no benefit at all yeah. from this because you literally cannot see her. So who cares? And just go based on whether you like her personality and she's nice to you. Yeah. Um, Which, by the way, she's not. an advantage in some ways. Like you can focus on more important qualities. Yeah, but she happens to not have a good personality either. No, she's not good. <laughs> she's not bringing a lot to the table. <laughs> I guess Michael good. thinks I'm putting up with this bitch because oh, she's so attractive. I'm yeah. up with it because, because I'm dating yeah. a model. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, they have a model. She obviously she's doing yeah. very high maintenance. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so Ben uh, Ben comes in and he looks terrible. His eye has a patch and a bandage. Uh, Larry apologizes, blames it on the skewer. Uh, Brad says he has uh, he'll scratch retina, but he's more upset that Larry didn't sing along to Happy Birthday, which mm-hmm. he somehow noticed from across yeah. the room. Yeah. That's Larry says, knows, of course. Yeah, Larry says, I never do that. Also, he's upset that uh, Larry didn't bring a gift. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> which is just some immense hotspot to say, what the hell? Why didn't you give me a gift yeah. when you said no gifts? Like, it's one thing to be like, oh, I guess Larry doesn't know, you know, unwritten rules. Um, and, like, think that to yourself. But to, like, basically blast him for, you didn't give me a gift. It's the thing I told you not to give me a gift for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a bit much. Yeah, also complains um, about Larry not shaking his hand with the, when Larry right. says he sneezed in it. Um, yeah, he says, yeah, you still know how to deal with people, which is correct. Um, Larry says, because you sneezed. He says, well, it was a dry sneeze. Larry says, I can't assume a dry sneeze. I assume a, you know, a default sneeze. Yeah, Ben's you know, wrong on this one. Especially in a COVID era, there's yeah. no dry sneezes. There's no, yeah. Yeah, that's really right. Not a thing. Yeah. And also, like, you don't assume, like, most sneezes are wet. Yeah. <laughs> have some wetness to them. I would say they're all, you know, slobbery, disgusting sneezes. Yeah. Um, Although I'm a famously bad sneezer. I just really mm. do big, disgusting sneezes. So I, I sort of yeah. do a sneeze where I sort of like open my mouth really loud and I sort of scream and it prevents anything from coming out. It would be what you'd call a dry sneeze, I suppose. But it's still a sneeze and I'm still not, you know, you know, putting my hand in front of it and then immediately shaking someone's hand. Even if it's yeah, almost I, the thing like even if you know it's a dry sneeze, it's the same way like when I'm in a bathroom, when I walk out, like if I go into a bathroom stall not to use the bathroom, if, if I go in there to like check my phone or change or so, I don't know, something, I wash my hands every time I come out because even if I know I don't need to, the perception, I don't want someone to see it and think like, what is he doing? You know what I mean? Interesting. Yeah, I don't do that. Yeah. Uh, maybe I should or whatever. I don't really care what people think about me if I'm not doing anything wrong. Yeah, I, yeah but, he, but I'm saying if you walk out of a stall in a public bathroom and people are there, 
and they see you're not washing your hands, even if you happen to have not done anything in the bathroom that required washing your hands, you know, if you're at work, why, why do you need people having that conversation? Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah. I don't, I, I still don't do it, mm-hmm. but I, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. Um, I just, yeah, I'm not going to necessarily wash my hands if I do anything that requires. Yeah. Well, wash your hands an extra time again in COVID times. There's no big loss. Oh well, yeah. These are, you know, the, the, these are, you know, uncertain times. Yeah. You wash your hands an extra time and uh, not risk it. Um, so yeah, so we're back at home and Larry is practicing for the show. I guess he's starting to take it more seriously. He realizes that like he is nowhere close to being able to do this show because mm-hmm. he's now remotely uh, qualified for it. Um, and Kim comes over to bring over her headshots and her reel. Um, then what proceeds to be is a, uh, a scene from a pornographic film because this type of stuff happens in porn not in real life, that a much younger girl would say, oh, hey, I just got a boob job. Do you want to see them and feel them? Well, I think in this circumstance, it would be, it's understood. Like, I understand the context here. You think this is a normal thing to happen? Yeah. Uh, when, when, when somebody, when you, because when, they were talking about it. Well, no, when you're trying to get them for the purpose of trying to get a specific job and this is a person helping you get that job. Yeah, so I mean, I think it's reasonable if you've just augmented your body with a prosthetic or whatever, specifically for a specific purpose the person involved in that decision you know to give a less controversial example the doctor who did it would obviously be feeling them to confirm that they're correct right yeah so you know yeah so so she sees larry as sort of you know that like he's giving advice it's unusual and it's weird especially the context in which it happens but i don't think it's you know i don't think it's totally crazy all right I don't know if it goes out in Hollywood. Maybe I'll just think. <laughs> Nothing like this has ever happened to me. Yeah, I mean, what's important to note, I would say, especially given sort of the reputation of Hollywood, is that this is not, it's not like a, a Larry saying to her, you know, I'm going to need to see, you know, what, you know, it's no, clearly no, no, initiated right. by her. Yes, yes, yes. I'm not, yeah. you know, certainly, I'm yeah. not saying, accusing Larry of doing anything wrong. He's clearly, he's not, he's very uncomfortable. Well, but but Cheryl's certainly accusing Larry of doing something wrong. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Cheryl is looking out of disgust. Sometimes yeah. asses, and we see Larry explain to Cheryl what happened. She grabbed my hands and put them on their boobs. Cheryl's not buying it. Says, "Well, guess what? Happy <laughs> anniversary. That was your gift right there." Yeah. Larry objects uh, for two reasons. First of all, it's not sex. Touching a breast isn't sex. Cheryl says it is a breast. Yeah, it's insane. Touching, touching a breast, a breast is sex. That's an insane take by Cheryl. And it's, a, it's an insane take. Although what Larry's more insane take is that it doesn't count because they were fake. So it wasn't touching a breast. Yeah, obviously it was like that part's a big ball, big ball. That I mean, that's the claim they make in Seinfeld, also, of course, with Sidra. Yeah, the whether or not there's been a medical augmentation or not is completely irrelevant um, to you know the sexual nature of the act. Um, but yeah, you yeah. know, if I'm sure there are there are many women with who are very enjoyable to engage in boob touching with who have fake boobs. Yeah, the relevant part for Larry is that um, she like she sort of grabbed his hands and pushed them there. <laughs> That's the relevant yeah, that's, part. That's, that's his best argument. Yeah. Is that I, had nothing, I was basically raped. Yeah, but look, I mean, we've discussed before how insanely prude Cheryl is that she thinks it's kinky to have sex in the afternoon. So for somebody that prude, I guess, touching a breast is sex. Yes. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe they, they were showing a game before marriage. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. She goes back and forth. Yeah. Um, suddenly, um, Larry and Cheryl, they see a mouse scurry past them and they yell out. He, he yells out, it's a tit mouse. Yeah. Have you ever heard that expression before? No, of course not. Yeah. This is not a thing. Yeah. It's just mouth. Yeah. Um, uh, are you obsessed with tits? <laughs> I'm not. Uh, well, I don't know. Obsessed. Yeah. Uh, well, so last season, Larry was obsessed that. with asses, and now he's obsessed with tits. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, they're both good. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think a lot of men are, they, they like both uh, yeah. breasts and, and women. And the buttocks. Yeah. Um, so she says, you're obsessed with tits, you're feeling tits, you're talking to kids about tits, uh, you're yelling at about tit mouses. Yeah. Uh, Larry's defending himself, he says, the kids said it, it was all part of the game, and asks, have you ever played telephone before? <laughs> and Cheryl says, yes, but I usually play the G-rated version, where you say something like, Susie lives down the lane. By the way, I've never, Larry's I've only crazy. played the non-G version. Who plays the G, I guess, with, with the small children, but yeah. Yeah, Larry explains, well, the kid didn't say Susie lives down the lane. He said, I love tits. Yeah. <laughs> which, is a great, which is a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll accept that, as we said before, being the adult, he still should not have repeated the I love tits, even if that's what the kid said. Yes, true. 
Um, so the phone rings, and he's being summoned over to Michael's apartment. Apparently, Michael broke up with Rhonda because of her looks, and he realizes he needs to be with a good-looking woman. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he needs some help, and Larry says, "Oh, well, don't you have he's any like, friends?" Um, he's like, like Newman, Michael. by the way, in Seinfeld. Yeah. He needs a really uh, pretty face. Yeah, <laughs> really pretty face. Well, at least Newman can see. Yeah. Um, and Larry says, unfor- unfortunately for the uh, women with the pretty faces, they can probably see as well. Yeah. And Larry says, why don't you ask your friends to help you? And Larry, he says, oh, I don't want to impose on my friends for this. Yeah. Bother you. Um, and we see... Uh, and by the way, I, I feel a little bit bad for Michael because it's clear that Larry is his best friend at this point. Yeah, it seems like it. Um, so we... Uh, we this montage Larry. is amazing. It's the best part of the episode. Yeah, it's a great montage. He's yeah. helping Michael shop at various stores or on different errands. It's very funny. Yeah, Larry describing the artwork at a museum. Larry <laughs> right. stealing the cake. Yeah, it's very, it's very well done. Um, so we head over to uh, Jeff's house and Larry has come to buy a shirt from Susie as a birthday present for Ben since Susie had said that he likes it so much. Yeah, so and, this now makes two people who took a face value what obviously was not intended to be a face value. Well, Right, I guess Larry. I guess he should have seen through what Susie said. Ben said she lo- he loved it, that he didn't really love it, that he was just pretending to love it. It's hard. That's a hard spot. I, to think, I think that's pretty obvious. It's because it's ob- because, well, part, I mean, I guess also because it's so obviously bad. It's such a huge yeah. <laughs> Like it's kind of a stretch that Ben yeah. loved it. <laughs> I, I just I don't see Ben Stiller wearing uh, you yeah. know, those. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Right. Yeah. Once you once you know how ridiculous the item in question yeah. is, it it makes it that he should have figured this out. Um, And uh, Jeff asks how Ben is doing, and he says, yeah, the eye's okay. The big problem is I didn't sing happy birthday for him. (laughs) Um, And Larry's actually, he's kind of proud of himself for being right about the stick in the end. He feels vindicated (laughs) at what happened to Ben because he was very anti-stick from the start. Yeah. Um, He says he looked around at one point, there were five people holding sticks. (laughs) I'm going to question the veracity of that assertion. Yeah, um, Susie comes out and Larry tells her that he wants to buy a shirt. She doesn't believe him at first, but he explains it's like a movie. It stays with you and you realize I need more flair. And Susie recommends the red Indiana shirt. Sorry? Costanza. Oh, yes. Oh, very, very uh, yeah. good. Yeah. Sticks with you, you know, eventually. Um, the third time. Susie recommends the red shirt, the Indiana shirt, because she thinks it'll look on Larry, who is pale and pasty. Yeah. By the way, pale and pasty people don't look good in red. Yeah. Also, like not the best uh, business tactic. Yeah, but again, I, lo- I love how she calls it red. She doesn't call it Indiana, she calls it red. Yes. When I go to a department store and I try something on that they're trying to sell me, they always tell me how terrible yeah. I look. <laughs> um, when, I, when I go to Models, they're like, uh, what are you looking for? I'm like, well, I'm just looking for something in, in the reds. So <laughs> give me a little bit of Cincinnati reds, a little bit of, you know, uh, yeah, no, I really care about Cardinals. The I just want yeah. Red. yeah. Um, Larry's offended and by the comment, but he agrees to take the rent anyway. And Susie says uh, it's normally a hundred dollars, but she'll give it on the house to Larry, which is seems very is forgiven. Yeah, uh, very surprising move by Susie. Well, I mean, um, clearly Susie's not doing this for the money. Yeah, I guess she's right. doing she's it to stay busy while she's helping the baby. Yeah, the non-existent baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're back at rehearsal, and Ned is practicing. He's doing a great job. He's qualified to be in the show. Uh, Larry comes in, and Ned apologizes. He says, you know, I've, I've, been real, I've been a real jerk to you. I've been really stressed out, um, and I've been, you know, invading your space. But, like, let's, you know, let's uh, start again and make this work. Um, and Larry gives Ned the shirt as a birthday gift, and he doesn't seem to like it, but then he says he does. Yeah. Um, and they resume the practice, and Ben is surprised that Larry still needs a script, script. Larry also doesn't know what stage left means. Doesn't mean to my left or the audience's left. Um, and yeah, this is somebody who's clearly not even close to being, you know, suited to be in this role. Mm-hmm. Especially for a professional I, actor like uh, yeah. Ben Stiller. Um, I can think of no, uh, no examples from real life of somebody who's not remotely qualified for the position that they're in. Um, <laughs> but if any listeners can think of one, feel free to send it in. Uh, so we're at the, uh, the following uh, Tuesday or Thursday, whatever it is, and Michael's performing the show that he had mentioned, and Larry's there, and Ben's there. Everyone's there. Yeah, I don't understand how, why everybody's there, including Jeff. How did Jeff get roped yeah. in this? Jeff is there, Susie's there. Yeah. Uh, Larry notices that Michael is wearing the Red Indiana shirt. He's annoyed that Ben has regifted his shirt to uh, Michael. Which is very odd that he's annoyed about that. Why would he possibly care? 
Uh, how, yeah. how did he? But apparently, he really did think that Ben liked it. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, he shouldn't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are walking out because Michael is very bad. Yeah, Susie looks over. She's annoyed at Larry about he, the shirt. He's a good too. pianist, actually, but he's very bad at singing. Um, yeah, he's a bad singer. Um, Cheryl's completely miserable. She wants to go wait outside. And Larry stays and sings along as the only remaining guests. And season four, episode two, Ben's birthday comes to an end. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Susie very pissed at Larry, of course. Everybody pissed at Larry as the episode ends. To me, I thought it was a very weak ending to what was otherwise a strong episode. So I'm going to say it was pretty, pretty, pretty good. I'll give it two and a half. Two and a half. Okay. Um, I'm a little bit higher on you, on on the episode than you. Um, I will say pretty, pretty, pretty good. I will give it three and a half pretties. Um, I thought this was like a little bit above average, even though I think some of the storylines didn't really make sense. I think there was a lot of funny moments. Um, the stuff with the, the stuff with the stick is funny, even though if it's even though it's silly, it's a good bit. Um, everything with Michael and the blind guy is, is funny, especially the montage that we mentioned. So yeah, three and a half. Yeah, montage definitely my favorite moment in the episode. All right, Av, who is your come with guy? Um, I will go come with Gal, and I will give it to Susie. Um, I think she's a lot of fun this episode. She's uh, starting her own business, so good for her. She's taking care of a baby. Um, she's one of these uh, one of these suburban women everyone's talking about these days. <laughs> um, she uh, she got loads of Larry. I, I don't Larry. think she's a swing voter though. What? I don't think she's a swing voter. Yeah. Well, you know, turnout matters. <laughs> Not in California, but yeah. everyone everyone's very focused on just uh, on just uh, the persuasion. You also have to turn out. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, you do both. Very important. Um, Anyway, she uh, she had loads of Larry very hilariously. Uh, she's also having playing well with the kids. Um, she gives Larry the shirt for free, so I think she uh, she has a very strong episode. Yeah, I, w- I really wasn't sure who to go with here. M- my biggest question is why are Jeff and Susie at the mint at the end of the episode? Right, Jeff has to attend the performance of a guy who plays rehearsal music for his clients' practice sessions. It just seems like a stretch to me, but to me, Jeff is just the continues to be the definition, the ultimate come with guy, which is a guy who's, you know, as a Kramer was in Seinfeld, he's yeah. open to just about anything. He'll always say yes. Jeff, uh, he asked him to come and he'll always say yes. And so yes. for that reason, I will give it to Jeff. But uh, as long as I'm, I'm a uh, member of the Green family gets it, I'm happy. Yeah. Uh, who is your worst person? Um, yeah, so there's a, there's a uh, verse in the, in the Torah that uh, covers all, uh, all the laws of uh, different types of manipulation and stealing, and the phrase is, don't put a stumbling block in front of a blind man. Mm-hmm. And my, uh, our good friend Rhonda over here is uh, manipulating a blind man, and I think, I think in a very shameful and deceitful fashion, and mm. she's the worst person in the league. All right, that's a good point. I did not think of that. Uh, Rhonda does uh, do, uh, literally violate that that precept in the Torah, so that's true. Uh, I'm still going to say that it is the titular Ben from uh, Ben's birthday, though. <laughs> yeah, he's because, not Yeah, he's <laughs> Ben is, you know, let, let us count the ways. He has tens of millions of dollars. He's demanding <laughs> gifts for his birthday party. After expressly, he says no gifts. Uh, he's, you know, he sneezes in his hand. That happened last episode, but he brings it up here. He yells at a guy. For, just everything about Ben. He's, I understand he's insulted to be having to work opposite Larry David. But, you know, if you are the professional that you claim to be, I think you got to, uh, you know, get, get your shit together a little bit. So, to me, uh, Ben is the, uh, the worst person. Yeah. Um, I'll just say two things I'll say in his defense is, A, he apologizes. So, that's better than uh, most people we see in this show. He acknowledges some of the shitty things that he was doing. And he attributes it to all the stress that he's had. I mean, probably for the fact that he's working, you know, double speed on the show because the guy opposite him is completely unqualified. And B, what was I going to say for B? I don't remember now. All right. Well, B is probably not a great point then if I can't even say it. <laughs> it's never too late to uh, call the postman. Postman! Postman! Come here! Tell the neighborhood! All right. First email from Zach Brooks. He asks, in what world was Ben Stiller not a big star in 2004? We went a little bit on the weeds on this on Movie Ladder earlier this week because we were also talking about Ben Stiller because we did uh, Tropic Thunder this week. 
Well, I think we were just saying, was he as big as Scorsese or Brooks or Dan right. or Shaq? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, uh, we, we, we dug into his IMDb, um, and 2004 was like really the peak of his powers. Oh, really? Oh, it wasn't later. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, like Dodgeball was like either that year or the year But before. hold on a second. But these, these episodes aired in January of 04, which means they filmed in like mid-2003. Yeah, okay. But I mean, he, was, he had already been to Meet the Parents. He had already been in There's Something About Mary. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's in, true. He was in a couple other things. And then like 2004 was Dodgeball, which was probably okay. his biggest movie. Okay. Or his last big movie. And then, ironically, he completely like fell off a hill in terms of quality. But he's probably that's when he probably started becoming really rich because that's when he got the Night of the Museum franchise and he's in Madagascar. Like there's like five of those. So yeah, I mean I'm assuming he was always rich. But yeah, but, he probably yeah, he was yeah. always rich. But yes, but yeah, he was always a rich guy. But meaning yeah. he's probably getting much bigger checks for these like franchise movies than yeah. he was getting to be in these mm-hmm. comedies. Yeah. So yeah, Jack was not to say this was a collection of kind of funny moments, but not a great episode. I like the premiere more. Uh, 3.0. Oh, I remembered my uh, my second thing of why Ben Stiller shouldn't be the uh, worst person. It's because he gets uh, stabbed in the eye. So, like, he suffered enough. <laughs> like, that's his that's punishment enough. Okay. <laughs> he has an ill to be tacked with the worst person uh, trophy. Anyway. Ben's birthday party from Olin Allen. Hey, guys. He says, a slight uptick from last week. Still very much serving the season arc. Some more fun extra confrontations. The choreographer, dance teacher, really doesn't seem to be showing much empathy to Larry's lack of experience. Ben Stiller was relishing being an ass version of himself, and great to see Blind Mike back. And of course, we get some Susie action as well, though probably wouldn't feature as much in her highlights package. Also, while Katie Hoffman is playing herself, she appears to be playing a less successful version of herself, as it seems she just performed the LA role of Ula and wouldn't have the Tony Award for Broadway. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I wonder uh, if the, uh, the characters were aware of that. That was uh, specifically discussed, her uh, slightly less famous version of herself being the character. Mm. Uh, A slight step up from last week, so I will give it 3.5 pretties out of 5. Olenov in Simpacado this week. He gives the come with gal. He says, hard to think of one. Thought maybe Larry for helping out Mike so much, but he has a bad moment, so I'll just give it to Richard Lewis's not quite a niece. Don't think I need to explain why. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, she's, uh, she's very good. Okay. Yeah, I would mind having a girl girl like that in my life. Uh, For the villain of the week, he says, unlike last week, there was more competition. It's the second week in a row for Ben Stiller for me, being such an ass. So uh, Olin is with Chester. He says, late birthday parties, one upping with lies, uh, need for presents, always trying to show up Larry, the real life actor is Stiller, plays the player, the characters, plays the character Stiller superbly, and all the snide looks throughout were wonderful. Yeah, he's he is playing a very good asshole here. Yes. Yeah, he plays he plays that he really embraces that guy, those characters. Like in Dodgeball, he's a great villain. Um, in that episode of Friends where he's dating Rachel, he's an incredible villain. Yeah. Yeah, he plays I think you're the one who said he's better as a villain. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yes. All right. So next episode we have the blind date, which will be Larry will set Michael up with a blind date with a veiled Muslim because uh, Rhonda has been kicked to the curb. And Larry has a brilliant idea that a veiled Muslim, no one knows what she looks like underneath. And Jeff will admit to Larry that he has had some inappropriate thoughts about Cheryl. <laughs> and uh, hilarity will ensue. Um, yeah, so I mean, Ben Stiller, he, um, he's done both uh, comedy and where he's uh, kind of like that Debbie guy and he plays the villain guy. And while I think he's uh, better as a villain, uh, I think in, at both he's... Pretty, 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 pretty. 